This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 96. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and a podcast all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Welcome back if you are a regular listener. And if you are listening for the very first time, I'm really excited to have you here checking this out, hanging out with me. And I know you're going to get a lot of value out of today's episode. And today's episode is actually a little bit of a theory lesson, a jazz theory lesson. Now, this lesson comes straight out of our ebook, which, by the way, I looked up at the numbers the other day and uh, over 1,000 people have downloaded and are using this book to help their jazz playing. It is Zero to Improv. You can find that at zero to improv.com. And this lesson comes straight out of that. And today's episode 96 is all about important chord substitutions that you need to know in jazz. Now, jazz musicians, they are always messing around with chord progressions, right? If it wasn't hard enough, you know, jazz harmony tends to be a little bit more complex than, say, pop or rock harmony and, you know, folk music and things like this. Uh, You know, there's a lot of crazy, cool, diatonic things, very colorful things happening in jazz harmony, but oftentimes jazz musicians like to go even further than that and add other substitutions to those chord progressions to add even more harmonic movement or just simply swap one chord out for the other to try to get a different color, a different sound in there. So I'm going to go over five important ones today that you should check out. And, you know, this can be helpful to uh, go check out the show notes today, which is you can find that at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash 96, 96. And uh, you can check all that out there. And also this is based off of uh, we also have a, a blog post associated with today's podcast episode. And I will be sure to link to that in the show notes, which will be a lot more thorough if you really want to check all of this out. But I'm going to have plenty of audio examples for you today and I'll explain things. Um, and uh, everything should be cool whether you're out on your run, out on your, on your commute and you're not at the computer. So don't worry about that. Okay. Now, I'm looking forward, by the way, you know, one of the things that I said, uh, one of the goals I have for the podcast this year in 2018 is to make you guys more a part of it, to try to incorporate you, the the listeners, because this is your podcast as much as it is mine or Learn Jazz Standards. This is your podcast. I'm here to serve you, and I want to incorporate you guys a little bit more into uh, this next season of the podcast, and uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that next episode. Okay, I'm really excited about this, so definitely tune in for next episode, but keep that in mind. I want to involve you guys a little bit more in this, and I have something to talk about to you next week. All right, enough of that, enough of the business. Let's jump into today's show.
Okay, now, so in these five substitutions I'm going to be talking about today, I'm going to be talking about substitutions that are both diatonic and non-diatonic, okay? Uh, Now, in case you're someone who doesn't really know what I mean by that lingo, you know, we have a whole range of different kinds of listeners today, those who uh, have a little more experience, those that don't, those that know this, those that know that. So let me be thorough. When I say diatonic, it means that it's strictly within the given key center, okay? It's strictly in the given key center. Now, uh, let me do. Let me explain that really quickly in the key of concert C. And remember, if you're a B-flat instrument, you're going to have to transpose a whole step up. If you're an E-flat instrument, you have to transpose a minor third down from that. But if we're in the key of concert C, we have C major 7 is the 1 chord. D minor 7 is the 2 chord. E minor 7 is the 3 chord. F major 7 is the 4 chord. G7 is the 5 chord. E minor 7 is the 6 chord. B half diminished is the 7 chord. And then finally, we go back to the 1 chord again. That's C major 7. Okay, so all this is diatonic. All these chords are essentially a major scale harmonized with 7th chords. Now, if we're going non-diatonic, that means that we're going outside of the diatonic series. So for example, C major 7 and a D D flat major 7, that is that's that's chromatic essentially. That's non-diatonic. D flat major 7 is not within the series, okay? Does that make sense? Uh, I'll explain that a little further as we go through them, but let's go ahead and start off with our very first uh, our very first uh, substitution here and the first one is the three replaces the one okay three replaces the one so in jazz you will often see the three chord replacing the one chord so for example in the key of c a c major seven is replaced by an e minor seven so the chord progression that this is associated with each one of these chord substitutions is obviously in association with a chord progression. It could be multiple chord progressions, but the one I want to use an example is a one, six, two, five chord progression. Okay. So in, again, in the concert, in concert C major, that would be C major seven, A minor seven is the sixth chord. D minor seven is the two chord. G seven is the five chord, right? So now what happens when we want to replace that one with the three? Okay, again, this is diatonic. This is not non-diatonic. The three is is in there. What happens? What does the chord progression turn into? Okay, it turns into E minor seven. That's a three chord, right? And C. Then it turns into A minor seven. And then D minor seven, G seven. Okay, so... Oftentimes, jazz musicians will turn that sixth chord into a dominant chord. Right? They always do that. And altered, you can add all, all kinds of alterations. I'm just playing my guitar. It doesn't matter what instrument you play. Uh, but, you know, I always like to have, you know, I'm a guitar player, but I always like to have different sounds going on so you can hear it in better context. So here's a little backing track of this 3625 so you can hear what this sounds like.
Okay, so that resolved to the one there. But so you can basically, when we're talking about these chord substitutions, it means that you can substitute it anytime you want. You can either substitute it if you're a comping instrument like me, or if you're a horn player or any other kind of player, you're just soloing. You can also instead just substitute that three for the one. And you know, you see this all the time happen in, for example, a rhythm changes. You start out going, and then you go to the three. Right. right, so you can do stuff like that. You can switch it around all you want. Sometimes the three six two five is just a, a chord progression that's composed that way. But you can always substitute that for you can substitute that chord, and you will hear that happen. And and when you're in an actual playing situ- situation with different jazz musicians, the reason why you want to be aware of these is because you might hear a musician go there and play that. And so you want to be have your ears open for that, be able to recognize that sound, so that you can play that as well. Make sense? Okay, so the three, six, two, five, you're substituting the three for the one, okay? Let's move on to the next chord substitution that I want to go over. This is a really important one, and that's the sharp one diminished replaces the six, okay? The sharp one diminished replaces the six, okay? So um, the the most common context for this is, again, in a one, six, two five chord progression but this is where you have that six turned into a dominant seventh chord again like i said before jazz musicians do that all the time they'll turn that dominant seven so uh so and you got you got a c major seven is the one chord and the sixth chord diatonically would be a minor seven right but instead you're turning into a dominant seventh chord right jazz musicians do that all the time and then of course a two five so d minor seven g seven so there right all kinds of things you can do all that's all voice leading you can do you know tons of different things but in this particular case we're going to sub that six for a sharp one diminished okay sharp one diminished so now the core progression is going to become c major seven then c sharp diminished seven Ooh, right to a D minor seven, G seven, so it sounds like this, right? And then well, we can turn it around, right? That was a three, six, two, five again, right there. But yeah, so one sharp, one diminished, so that's C sharp diminished seven, and then two D minor seven, G seven, right? Okay, so uh, what's going on here? Why? can you substitute that sharp one diminished, right? This isn't really, this isn't diatonic here. This is non-diatonic, essentially. Uh, You can, well, it is in a way non-diatonic. Here's how you can think about it, okay? And this will help if you have the show notes to visually see this. But a dominant seven can be altered always, right? What I mean by altered, I mean that you can add a, a flat nine to it, you know, so an A7 flat nine would sound like this, at least on the guitar. Tons of different voicings. Sharp nine. That's a sharp nine. Flat thirteen. And here's a sharp eleven. Sharp eleven with a nine. Okay, there's all kinds of different things that you can do to alter that chord. And so oftentimes you can and will want to alter a dominant seventh chord. You don't have to, but it's a good choice. So if we were to make that six chord you know, the diatonic six chord into a dominant seven flat nine chord. So 
that'd be an A7 flat nine. So imagine you got a C major seven as the one chord and then an A7 flat nine. Okay, adds a little color, adds a little like tension because then it goes to the D minor seven, right? So there's some resolution in there. So if you do that, it's going to match up perfectly almost with the notes of a C sharp diminished seven. Now to prove that to you, what are the notes in an A7 flat nine? Okay, A is the root, C sharp is the third, E is the fifth, G is the seventh, the, the flat seven, right? And then B flat is what? It's the flat nine, right? B flat is the flat nine. So that's that chord just spelled up like in a closed position voicing just from the root up to the very top extension, which is the flat nine. Now, if it's a C sharp diminished seven, how do you spell that chord? Okay, well, the root is C sharp. Okay, now what is C sharp to the A7? That's the third. Then the fifth is, or I'm sorry, the third is E. And what is the third, what is the E to the A7? That's the fifth. And then this, the, the fifth, wow, getting so confused. The fifth is G, which is the seventh of A7 flat nine. The B flat is that flat, flat seven, that double flat seven, which makes up a C sharp diminished seven, which is the flat nine of the A7 flat nine. So if you notice the only note that's not present in the C sharp diminished seven is the A. They're basically the same chord, just there's no A root in there. So they, they essentially just substitute for each other incredibly well. So now instead of the one, six, two, five, you got one sharp one diminished two, five. Now this happens in uh, songs like Have You Met Miss Jones? Uh, Miss Jones, so that like that one's an F major though, so. Okay, so you see that happen all the time in jazz and you may just hear a musician or yourself, you can do this, substitute that for the sixth chord. You can do that anytime you want. And actually, there's a ton of diminished theory. We, we will probably do a, an episode coming up on diminished theory. There's lots of diminished theory where you can substitute different diminished chords for dominant seventh chords. It's really cool stuff. So a lot to explore there, but you're going to want to know that one. That's the sharp one diminished replaces the six. Here's a little backing track so you can listen to that. All right, so that one resolves to the one chord as well. Okay, let's move on to the next kind of chord substitution here. This is number three, and this is actually one that we've gone into detail on in episode 92, and that's tritone substitution. I mean, this is a really common chord substitution, and that's why I dedicated an entire episode to it. So I really encourage you, after you're done listening to this one, if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back to episode 92 and check out that one about all the different kinds of tritone substitution. But I'm going to really quickly go through it now just to review. I think it's important to add it into this list because it is so common. Now, just really quickly to reiterate what I've said before is that a tritone is an interval, right? A tritone is an interval. You can think of it as a flat five away from a root note. So in the case of C, if I play a C, a tritone interval away from that is an F sharp or a G flat, whatever you want to call it, right? 
Okay, so it has that kind of dissonant sound to it. Now, when you do a tritone substitution, what you're doing is you are basically taking a dominant seventh chord and replacing it with whatever chord you're replacing, you're replacing it a tritone away, usually with a dominant seventh chord. Not always, but usually. So again, in the case of C major, okay, let's do a case of C major, concert C major. Let's say we're doing a two, five, one chord progression. This is the most common form of tritone substitution. So that's D minor seven, G seven, C major seven, right? Now, what we're going to do a sub of is is of the five chords. So this is called the tritone sub of five. So the five chord is what? It's G7. What is a tritone away from G? Okay, it's D flat. Okay, D flat. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to play a dominant seventh chord instead. I'm going to play a D flat seven nine or a D flat nine. Okay, so now for the five chord, instead of playing a G7, I'm going to be playing a D flat seven. Okay, so in a two five one chord progression, it's D minor seven, D flat seven, C major seven. So D minor seven, D flat seven, C major seven. Okay, that makes sense. So that's a tritone substitution. And again, if you really want to get inside tritone substitution, go back to episode 92. I really talk a ton about it. I go way into way more detail. And for that reason, I'm not going to go into too much more detail in this one, but you can check that out the show notes and you can also go back to episode 92 to learn more about that. Okay, really quickly, let me play for you a backing track here of a tritone sub of five. All right, so number four is diatonic-ish, and that would be uh, that would be a one four three six turnaround to a two five one. So I'm including the definition of a substitution as anything that provides an option outside of the possible original changes. So sometimes a one four three six is a common turnaround to a two five one that's actually written in the changes, but again. You can substitute it for a lot of other things. You could essentially, essentially the, the thing that you're really substituting is that four chord and that three chord. Those are the ones that are different. It's a different way to go from a one, six to a two, five, one. You can go one, four, three, six, two, five, one. You're adding a whole range of changes in there. So again, that, that would sound like this. So this is again, in concert C, it'd be C. F7, I'll talk about that in a second, E minor 7, in this case we're going to do an A7, we're going to make that 6 chord dominant, and then be 2, 5, 1, so... Right, so it's 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 really the one the one four three six is getting to the two five one, which resolves the chord progression. Right, so for the four chord, here's the first kind of uh, you can substitute that whole entire chord progression. Right, but the chords that are really being substituted in there that are being added in addition are the four and the three. So you have the C major seven is the one chord. Now the four chord 
Instead of it being a major chord, which it normally would be, a major seventh chord in the diatonic series, we're changing it to a dominant seventh chord. Happens all the time in jazz, okay? You can do this with the four chord. It's fine. It's a bluesy thing in the blues. This is what happens. So C major seven, F7 rather than F major seven. And then we're going half step down to the E minor seven, the three chord. And then we're going to turn that sixth chord into a dominant seventh chord. The reason I bring this one up is because it does happen all the time. Uh, it, you'll hear it, and you can always substitute this in your improvisation. So, for example, I could go... Right, resolving on that D minor seven. So, you, you could hear all those changes come out there. I was outlining that C major seven when I play there. Right, it's a little chromatic passage there, and then I went perfectly outlines the F7 there, and then E minor 7. What did I play? Right, so and then I hit the, th the third of the, G of the A7, so I went targeted with some enclosure that third, the flat 7. Right, so it's all about outlining these different progressions in your improvisation you know you can do that and the rest of the band if they're trained they'll be able to hear what you're doing with that they can either follow along or it's going to create some contrast from what they're playing so it all works right it all works okay so let me play a little backing track of this for you so you can hear what that sounds like Just a little different context there. Okay, now let's go over the last substitution I want to go over. I mean, and again, these aren't like the only substitutions you can do, but these are a list of popular ones you should be aware of. So the last one I want to talk about is one that really happens all the time, and you can really outline this in your improvisation, is chromatic two fives. Okay, chromatic two fives. And essentially, any time that you come up with a 2-5 chord progression, whether it's a 2-5-1 or whether it's a 3-6-2-5. If you think about a 3-6 is a 2-5 of the 2. A 3-6 is the 2-5 of the 2. If that totally doesn't make any sense to you, that's totally okay. Um, but all these are like 2-5 chord progressions. They're cycling in fourths. So you can essentially approach them a chromatic half step up. Now, there are some songs, some standards that have this automatically written in, um, but... You know, all, all the time you can add this. It sounds out if the band isn't playing with you, but that's what's so cool about it is that even if the band isn't playing it with you, you can still play it and it'll sound really hip because you're resolving it. So let me explain this. So again, let's stay in the key of concert C here and we'll stick with a 2-5-1. So that's D minor 7, G7, and then C major 7, right? So let's say those are both all those chords are played for a bar each so okay something like that so now what we're going to do is we're going to add a chromatic 2-5 to it so we're going to start with a 2-5 chromatic above the d minor 7 the 2 chord so what would that be half step above d minor 7 is e flat minor 7 so it'd be and then what's the 5 to the e minor 7 it's a7 right so now we have, and then we're going to go to the D minor 7, G7, C 
major seven. So now we're going to play each of these chords for two beats each because we're going to still make it fit into the three bars we had before. So now it's going to sound like this. Okay, to the one chord. So chromatic, two, five, two, five, one. Chromatic, two, five, two, five, one. Okay, this happens, you can do this in your improvisation. That's it's the really cool thing. So, Something like that, right? This sounded out at first. Okay, so you're outlining both of those. Does that make sense? And you can apply this to really anything you want. Let's say, let's go to the three, six, two, five that we did before. So that's E minor seven, A seven. We're gonna add the dominant. D minor seven. G7, C major 7. Let's say, let's, again, for the sake of uh, our studies today, each one of those is going to be one bar each, but we can add chromaticism to that, making each chord two bars each. So now, E minor 7 is our three chord, right? Well, now we're going to go F minor 7. So... added a bunch of chromatic two fives in there so f minor seven b flat seven e minor seven a seven e flat minor seven a flat seven d minor seven g seven c major seven you can add chromaticism wherever you want as long as you resolve it uh and that's a cool and easy way to sound like you're playing quote unquote out if you want to sound like you're playing a little outside the changes then you can do this chromatic two five technique but just make sure you resolve it, right? That's the whole point of the chromatic 2-5 is you're starting a half step above, but then you're resolving to the diatonic 2-5-1. Pretty cool, right? I mean, that's a really cool one to do. You'll hear people do that all the time, really. And I, I personally like to use that technique in my jazz improvisation when I'm playing a gig or a jam session with, with other people. Okay. Now, again, to close us off and keep on theme here, here's a little backing track so you can hear a different context of this. Awesome. Though that's all the ones I want to talk about today, but how do you actually put these to practice? How do you actually put these to work? Well, I wouldn't suggest tackling all of them at once. Maybe find one that's interesting to you. Like, for example, if you thought the chromatic two fives was cool, go to a jazz standard that you know really well, sit down with your instrument, and go ahead and start playing through that song and look for opportunities where you could add that chromatic two five in there. Maybe it's a two five one, maybe it's something else, but see if there's ways where you can add chromaticism into that song and just take a passage or a chord progression from that and work through it and play through it. The best way to improve upon this stuff is just to play, right? Just to actually do it and see if you can implement that chromatic two five in different places into the song and resolve it properly, work out some lines if you're uh, you know not quite uh, avid or experienced in 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 navigating chord progressions you know you can work things out you can slow it down it's the practice room so it's the laboratory right slow things down chop it up break it apart that's what I love about practicing um, 
Now, if let's say it's the tritone substitution that interests you, right? Then find different two five one chord progressions and see how you can add that tritone sub into your improvisation. Or if you're a comping instrument, again, like a piano player, guitar player, vibes player, try comping through that and try actually playing those chords and creating those chord substitutions. And uh, I mean, if it's a diatonic uh, substitution, like one oh ones we went over, like a one four, three, six, which is turning around to the two, look for areas where maybe the chords, you could add that four chord into there. You could add that three chord. Look for different opportunities where you could swap these chords out or add more harmonic movement. That's just the basic way to do it. Grab one or two of these, look through a song that you know really well and start applying it, you know? And the more you work on this stuff, the more it'll just naturally come out in your playing. And it's gonna help you understand the different options that you have in your improvisation. Ultimately, uh, you know, I have this rule, it's called the jazz improv rule, and that is, if you wanna become a better jazz improviser, you need to understand jazz harmony, okay? And a lot of people like just like to work on their soloing skills, their improv techniques, scales, different things like that, transcribing solos, all of that stuff, super great. But then they forget about actually learning jazz harmony, okay? They forget all about that. And I think that's really important because the more we understand jazz harmony and the different things we can do, the ways we can substitute it, then the more options we're going to have in our jazz improvisation. And I think that's the biggest takeaway, the biggest lesson from today. All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Remember, you can go to the show notes. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 96 to uh, check out some of the stuff I've been talking about today. And you can also, by the way, this lesson, as I said at the beginning of the show, comes from our ebook, Zero to Improv, which you can find at zerotoimprov.com. It's more of a music theory approach to improvisation and helps you become a great jazz improviser from the ground up. Okay, now, uh, as I always say at the end of the show, uh, and if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know what's coming. If you got value out of today's podcast episode, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service. Leave us a rating and a review, a kind one, and uh, let us know how you like the show. And uh, this just helps other people find the show, it helps other people, you know, jump on board and say, hey, a lot of people like this show. I should be listening to it too. So, Feel free. It's really it's free way to give back to us and just to help us out. Uh, just go to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Okay, now next week we are coming out with episode ninety seven. We are inching closer and closer to episode one hundred, which we have a lot of awesome things planned for episode one hundred through one hundred and four. One hundred and four being our birthday episode, our two year birthday episode. So looking forward to seeing you back next week. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.